So just know that if pastor preaches something that cuts you deep, it's not me. It's God's word, okay? Amen. And God's word says one thing, and I can't make it say something that makes you feel better, okay? You want to feel better? Then do what God's word says, and you'll feel better. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Amen? All right, that's my disclaimer. So if any part of this makes you go, ouch, then just know that it's God's word. Amen? <laughs> All right, let's get into this. I want to recap since, you know, we kind of got lost on verse 1, 2, and 3 last week. I want to just recap what we kind of talked about. Last week, verse 1, we're going to read the whole thing real quick. I forgot what I told you last week that if we didn't finish it, I would reread it, right? So let's, let's do that. I want to keep my word. Now the Spirit speaks expressly and says in the last time some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through inse uh, insecurity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything is created by God, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, which is what I'm trying to do today. Being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for this present life and the life which is to come. This, uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands upon you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would enlighten our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that could receive what your word and the spirit of God is saying to us today as we study this chapter. Lord, I pray that it is not me speaking, God, but that I am speaking the oracles of your scripture, of your truth, of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, last week we 
I'm going to briefly recap. We covered the last days, what the last days are. The last days are from the time Jesus first came to this earth to the time he comes back. That's the last days. Amen. We are in them. It's something that's been going on since Christ first came to this earth. Okay? How do I know that? Well, we read this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Remember Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost? In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Peter said that already happened, right? So the last days got to happen right now. We're in them, right? This is the recap from last week, okay? This uh, verse number 2, this departing from the faith is people who give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we talked about how this is a reiteration of chapter 1. In chapter 1, he tells them that they should not believe these uh, 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 genealogies, myths about genealogies of angels and how, how they don't need to, to run after these myths and fables about worshiping angels and worshiping deities, lesser deities, quote-unquote. There's only one God, amen? There's no other God besides him. That's what the Bible says, okay? So everything else is not a God and does not deserve worship, amen? Uh, if you go back to Matthew Henry, and, uh, you know, he was a Puritan preacher, uh, just a couple hundred years removed from the Reformation, they spoke very candidly about this, about the Catholic Church and how they prayed to the saints and how they prayed to Mary and how this was form of Gnosticism in worshiping lesser things rather than only worshiping God. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, this is partly what he's talking about here, but back in the original text, what they're really talking about is the gods that are around Israel. Amen. Matthew Henry was talking about what was going on in his day, but I'm telling you, this text is talking about the, the other gods of the Canaanites, the Hittites. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, there's a, what was it, the Canaanites that worshipped uh, Molech, sacrificed their children to Molech. This is one of those gods, lesser deities that he's telling, don't run after that stuff. Stay away from it. Amen? Amen. Uh, now, these people who are leading people astray, if you look here at uh, verse 2, we're going to kind of hang out here for a second. He said that these liars are going to be insincere and hip hypocritical. In other words, they're going to teach you to abstain from foods or marriage because it's going to make you more holy if you're not married, you know, and it's going to make you more holy if you abstain from foods. In other words, the teaching that was creeping into the church was salvation by works. It was, if I do this, this, and this, then God will accept me. If I do this, God will see me as holy. And that's not what the gospel teaches. The gospel is, by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. Amen. The five solas. Totally agree with that. Amen. Amen. And here what you have in this 
is at the very beginning of the Christian practice, Judaizers would come in, and if you notice, they followed Paul all around. Every letter that Paul writes, Judaizers came from one town that he was in, and they'd follow him to the next town so that they could stir up the Jews in that town and say, well, you know, they, they got to do this and they got to do that and they got to do this other thing, otherwise they're not really Christians. Right? So we got to understand the context of how these people are leading people astray. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. How would it be hip hypocritical of these Judaizers to do this? First of all, you don't keep the whole law either. Okay? That's the hypocrisy in it. The hypocrisy is you don't keep the whole law either, Jewish people. Right? That's what Paul was saying. Who was a Jew himself? Paul wasn't an outsider looking in. Paul was a Jew. A Pharisee of Pharisees, he said, right? So Paul is saying, look, you don't keep the whole law anyway. So, you know, if you're not going to keep the whole law, you might as well not hold on to the law because it's not going to save you. Amen? And I've used this analogy over and over, but if I put a, a, a bunch of rules on the wall in here and said, don't do this, don't do that, and don't do this other thing, if you broke the, one of the rules... Are the rules hanging on the wall going to save you? No. They're not going to save you. There's no salvation found in those rules. The salvation would be found in the, in the, in the governing person to say, I forgive your debt. I pardon you. Amen? That's the reality of the Christian existence. We didn't earn our way to heaven because none of us could follow the rules anyway. It, look, in the Garden of Eden, there was only one rule. Don't touch that tree. And he couldn't do that. Okay? And you think you can follow the law? Do you not know that when you Try to follow the law and find salvation in it. You're walking away from grace, Paul says. Since you're walking away from it. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Amen. Amen. Now this isn't a license to do whatever we want. Which is kind of what we, uh, you know, kind of combated last Sunday morning. Because we can't do whatever we want. Amen. Irregardless of what you think. Yes, sure, you're free to do what you want, but it's not okay with God. Okay? We got to understand that salvation is completely free. But salvation changes you too. Salvation doesn't leave you the same. Salvation doesn't leave your mind held captive to the old way of thinking. You're supposed to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're supposed to put off those former things and put on Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yes. So in doing so, my way of thinking about sin has to change. My way of thinking about how I'm supposed to live is supposed to change. The fact of the matter is, if you think it's about you when you get saved, you ain't saved because it ain't about you. It's supposed to stop being about you. You're supposed to die in Christ, and you're supposed to live your life for him. It's supposed to be Christ living in you. Amen? Amen? Yes. I'm going to move on. <clears throat> they seek to lead astray and 
proselytize, there we go, away people from pure biblical doctrine. Now, I'm going to talk to us about the world we live in today, okay? I want you to understand that most of the people that come to our church didn't go to church other places before they came here. A lot of them weren't even in church, okay? The reality is, if I wanted to be a hypocritical, false teacher, I could start doing signs, wonders, and miracles and pretend like I got it all going on and make you guys think that the, the only place you can get God is right here at the altar when I'm praying for you. And we could probably fill this church up with false promises, false hopes. This is the kind of stuff that Paul's talking about, not just people who are going to uh, twist the truth, but people that are going to lie straight to your face. Why else would you say, oh, if you send me your $40, God's going to make you rich. That's ridiculous. A rich man can barely even get into heaven. Jesus said that. You know what I mean? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, you just try that one time, okay? I mean, I can barely get a piece of thread to go through the eye of the needle if on a good day of seeing, okay? Let alone a camel. Just imagine the impossibility of this, amen? The reality is, why is it hard for a rich man to get into heaven? Because it's all about the rich man. It's all about himself. The minute that it's all about you and your quote-unquote Christian walk, I don't know if you got it. Amen? it got to be about Christ. Amen. Paul didn't walk around preaching Paul and Paul crucified. Paul walked around preaching Christ Amen. and Christ crucified. Amen? About what he did. I'm dead. It's no longer in me that lives. Amen? They teach the worship of demons or lesser deities and uh, it relies you know, uh, this, this uh, lies that are being spoken in the, to the saints have already begun at the time of the apostles. It's not something we're looking for a future coming. It's already happening. You know, we read how many antichrists have come already. Amen. They've already in the earth. Amen. 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 They promote rigorous lifestyles. Go with me, if you will, to... Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Now I found this and I thought this was very interesting that my Bible notes led me to Colossians 2 and 20. And I want to start reading this. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed no appearance, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. Amen. Now this is very important. 
that we understand that as we are living our life for Christ, Christ has got to be the one doing the work in me, okay? If I'm trying to do it in my own flesh, in my own power, in my own self-will, it's going to be pointless, meaningless. Trying to get to Christ in my own power, in my own work, in my own self-made righteousness is going to fail. Right, right. What is better? Because his righteousness is far exceedingly greater than mine. Amen. He was so righteous that his righteousness would cover the whole of humanity from the time that he come until the end of time. Amen. That's how great his righteousness is. We're like micro amoebas in righteousness in comparison. Amen. I don't know if they got a telescope big enough to see how small my righteousness is in comparison. But these people who are false teachers are going to try to hold you to a standard of rigorous living that they themselves do not meet. Amen? Now, I'm very careful every time I preach to make sure everybody understands I'm not talking about salvation by works. I'm talking about fruit after I'm saved when we talk about how we're to live for Christ. Amen? It's the fruit of salvation, not the root. Works are the fruit of the born-again experience. They are not the root of being saved. Amen? Let's continue. I stopped on this word asiatism for a minute because what I realized is this word asiatism is like a word that means uh, rigorous or ritualistic or, in other words, Paul was talking about Judaizers, people who are trying to get you to see that, you know, you need to follow the law too. Amen? Did they put something up there? Oh, we got it. Okay. Awesome. Will worship. Now, my uh, one translation of the Bible says will worship. What does the King James say there in 20, uh, Colossians 20, verse 23, Mike? Yes. Right. That will worship is the atheist, the atheism that we're talking about. That's the ritual, ritualistic, self-made righteousness that we're talking about. Okay. Self-imposed worship. Right. Right. Now I want to read what Henry says about Colossians. Uh, chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. Matthew Henry, the great Puritan writer, says this, Observe, Christians are freed from the ritual observances of Moses' law and delivered from the yoke of bondage which God himself had laid upon them. And number two, subjection to ordinances 
or to human appointments is uh, in worship of God is highly blamable and contrary to the freedom and liberty of the gospel. What he's saying is we've already been delivered from that stuff. We don't need to be bound up in it again. Let me say it like Paul said it when he wrote the Galatians. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you would run back under bondage? Amen? We've been saved by grace. Why would we try to now try to work it out for ourselves? You know, that's the false teaching that is really prevalent in the church today. False teaching that says, well, yeah, by grace are you saved through faith, but... If you do this, this, and this, and this, you're going to die and go to hell. You're, you're going to lose it. You're, you're done. So hold on. Grace is completely unbounded and boundless and endless before I get saved. But somehow after I get saved, grace stops being grace. And it's only a little bit of grace. And I only got just a little short leash. Sorry, my Bible says that he that began a good work in me is faithful to complete that work. Uh, my Bible says that if I'm in the Father's hand, nobody can pluck me out. My Bible says that, that if I'm part of his, Jesus said this is the will of God, that none of those that are his will be lost. Amen. So if you're truly Christ, you ain't going nowhere. God's going to finish his work. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He will do what he said. Amen. 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 Galatians 5 and 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It's a very quick verse that uh, Matthew Henry pointed out. And I figured it was pretty uh, poignant to what we were talking about says this for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery Amen. if someone looks at you and says no you're not going to be saved if you do this this and this okay now I'm talking about earning salvation right I don't have to do this, this, and this to earn salvation. How do I get salvation? Name Jesus. Okay. How do I get salvation? By grace. Amen. It's by grace. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen. It is completely the free gift of God. Salvation doesn't get earned. Amen. Amen. And in the same way, I'm not physically responsible for earning my salvation. I'm not physically responsible for keeping it. It's God who saves. It's God who keeps. It's God who redeems. Yeah. You don't have to sacrifice the bottomless lamb anymore because the true lamb came. Well, when you realize, when you have the born again experience, all this working to do the right thing stops because you realize what the right thing is to do anyway. Your heart has been changed. Your mind has been changed. You are altered. Any man that's in Christ is a new creature. He's different. Amen. Amen? So you don't have to be taught these rituals. 
you'll automatically go, hey, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Amen. Amen. You'll be reading your Bible and you go, oh, man, I've been doing that. And it says not to. I'm going to stop doing that. That's what, pa that's what your pastor does. If I find something in the Word of God that says, hey, you're, you're not supposed to do this, and I find myself doing it, I have to go, oh, well, I need to stop doing that. Oh, yeah. Amen? I ain't no better than you are. i got to learn, too. Amen. Amen? Now we're talking about sanctification, not justification. I'm justified by Christ, sanctified by Christ, but the sanctification process is a process. Amen. Let's keep going. I won't get lost here. Uh, one more quote from Henry on this. He says, and the Im, uh, impo Im imposition of them is invading the authority of Christ. He's talking about those who are trying to make you Judaizers. They're imposing the authority of Christ, the head of the church. They're trying to invade that authority for themselves. In other words, they want to be Christ, Amen. and they want to control you. Yep. Amen? Amen? The head of the church, and introducing another law of commandments contained in ordinances when Christ has abolished the old one, Ephesians 2, verse 15. Go with me there. Ephesians 2, verse 15. It's important stuff. We're going to fly through the next part of this, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 15 says this. Well, if I can find it. One more page, Kevin. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create him in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What's he talking about right there? Jews and Gentiles, right? He done away with the law so that he could make two one flesh. Isn't that what happens in marriage? Uh-oh. Two become one flesh in marriage. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, yeah. Now ask yourself. Do you get to do whatever you want in your marriage? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Just ask yourself that question. Brian brought up a good question. Do you get to do what you want? In your marriage? No, you don't. And you don't get to in your marriage with Jesus either. You don't get to in your marriage with Jesus either. Man, you want a microphone? I'll give it to you, man. I'll give you a microphone. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you don't. Well, see, this is the minute. Now, we're, we're lost. We're lost on this subject for, for a minute. But I, I'm glad you brought that up because here's the, here's the conundrum with a lot of modern day Christianity that teaches, I've got free will. Well, you do. You do. You do have free will, okay? I'm not taking the taking the, the yoke off of you that says you're not a free moral agent. We are all free moral agents. Amen? But the problem is, if you're outside of Christ, your will is bound to your flesh. And you'll do whatever your flesh wants you to do. So how free are you even when you have free will? Either you're going to be a slave unto sin, Paul said, or when you come to Christ, you're going to be a slave unto righteousness because your free will is still very much dependent 
on what your will is subject to. Okay? So I get I laugh almost when people give me this whole free will argument, okay? Because free will is true. You have it, okay? But outside of Christ, all your free will wants to do is sin all the time, as much as it can, as much as it can get away with. Amen? All the time. And in Christ, it should be the opposite. I should want to do as good as I can all the time, anytime I can get away with it. Amen? Amen. Such things have nothing. Such things, it says, have a show of wisdom. Colossians 2, 23. They have a show of wisdom. In other words, it kind of sounds right. But if you follow that line of thinking, you're going to find out when you're trying to do it in the flesh, it's going to fail. Amen. So Paul's writing this letter to Timothy to tell him, look, people are going to come in. They're going to. They're going to teach false teaching. They're going to teach that you need to worship these lesser deities and angels. And then they're going to want you to follow ritualistic, uh, rigorous living where you're going to abstain from marriage because somehow it's holier than not being married, even though God instituted marriage. See how that goes against God's word? God looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. We look at him and go, no, it's good for man to be alone. No, no, it's not. And then the Puritans really hit this hard because, you know, if you're a Catholic priest, you can't be married. So they really drove that point home back in the 15, 16, 1700s. <laughs> they drove that one home pretty good. Verse 3, forms of legalism, abstinence, asiatism, self-discipline, willfulness, attempts to earn salvation, or mixing of grace and good works. Uh, forbidding marriage which is instituted by God they do this in hypocrisy they do not keep the law but expect you to if there are any if these are done now verse 4 says now God made all things right all these meats now now we're just talking about what you can eat okay that's what he's talking about he said God made all things and we can't refuse any of them if they're received with thanksgiving. Amen? So we're released from ritualistic eating, okay? Now, I want to take you to something that a lot of people don't know, and I don't remember exactly where it's at. I believe it's in Acts chapter 17 or 18. But it's where Peter and John and the other disciples, after Peter comes back from Cornelius' house, a question arose about what the Gentiles had to do coming into faith in Christ, right? You realize that in the Council of Jerusalem, they only ordered three things that Gentiles, which is everybody in this room, there's no Jew in this room. There was only three things that Gentiles had to do. Stay from meat with blood in it, abstain from meat offered to idols, and stay away from fornication, right? Those were the three things Notice what it doesn't say. Notice that they realized they couldn't impose Judaic law on Gentiles. They did not say, you have to worship on Saturday. They did not say, you have to keep the feast. They didn't say, you have to do this law, this portion, that thing. They picked three things for the Gentile believer to follow. Okay? 
So anybody that teaches you as Gentiles that you have to follow the law and you have to be subject to the law and you have to do this and that and the other thing, you need to look at them and take them back to that scripture. I can't find it right now. Maybe Mike can find it for me and I'll, we'll get it before the end of the service, okay? Huh? Uh, remembering the widows and orphans. Yeah. Something like that. That might have been four things, okay? Might have been four things. Now, I'm going to generalize the first five verses. Warnings against the coming apostasy, false teachers who teach lies, worship of angels and demons, worship uh, who teach that abstaining from marriage and certain foods makes you more righteous before God. The, they teach legalism to gain salvation and make null the work of Christ or the grace of God. Doing this in hypocrisy, they don't practice what they preach. That's what the word hypocrisy means, right? Why did Jesus call the Pharisees hypocrites? He called them hypocrites because they didn't practice what they preached. Amen? Amen? Now, Moving on to verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you are a good servant of Christ Jesus. This is why I want to read the whole Bible. Amen? Because there's so much stuff in here that if I do as a pastor, that you're going to be edified, I'm going to be edified, and our church will be better off for it. Amen? That's why I didn't want to just keep jumping around to different topics and preaching topical things. That's why I wanted to just pick books out of the Bible and, and teach through the whole thing. And then pick another book and teach through that whole thing. Because we're going to find lots of nuggets on this road. Amen? And this is one of them for me as the pastor. I, how do I be a good pastor? How do I be a good servant of Christ? I present these things before you. Amen? Being trained in the words of faith and doctrine and of good in faith and the good doctrine, okay? He's saying, these are the things that you were taught. You need to teach other people, amen? And if we're not doing that as pastors, we're falling short, amen? amen? And I'm not being a good servant of Christ. I'm not being, I'm not carrying out this office that I should be in the way that I should be. Now, here's a, here's a very important verse, and I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. If you've got a highlighter that glows in the dark, it'd be great to put it right here, okay? <laughs> it says, have nothing to do, right? Verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now, watch this. This word, have nothing to do with, could be translated reject could be translated refuse, as the King James says, right? Does the King James say refuse right there, don't it? Yep. Uh, verse 7 of First Timothy chapter 4. Refuse, right? Refuse these things. So when people start telling you, oh, you got to do this, and oh, you got to do that, and oh, you know, if you abstain from marriage, or if you eat the right things, or if you worship these, so pray this and pray No, no, I don't have to do any of that. Refuse it. Reject it. Have nothing to do with it, ESV says, okay? It's not enough just to refuse it, though. 
because it doesn't stop there. He says, refuse or have nothing to do with. And then he says, but exercise yourself unto godliness. So how am I going to be able to refuse these other teachings? I have to exercise myself unto godliness. Amen. I have to read the word, know the word, pray, have my own Christian life. Amen? Amen. If I don't, and it's all head knowledge, no heart knowledge, no life knowledge, it's not really something I'm really living out, then I'm going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching that comes at me. I'm going to not know the truth when a lie comes around. How do I separate a truth from a lie if I don't know truth? Amen? Amen. So just like physical training has benefits, spiritual training has benefits. Not just for this life, it says, but for the life to come. Amen? So for all of those people who think, oh, we're living on heaven on earth right now, and this is where it's all going to be, you're wrong. There's this life, and there's a life to come. Jesus taught us to look for the one that's to come. Matter of fact, he said, don't store up treasure here on earth where moth and rust. He said, store that treasure up in heaven. Why? Because I'm going there. Amen. And that's my home. I'm just a passing through. Remember that song? This world is not my home. Uh, I I won't mess that song up for you. But rather train or exercise yourself unto or for godliness. Godliness in the gospel truth. Godliness in the gospel truth. Not just Whatever people say is godly, okay? What the Bible calls godly. What the Bible says is good. Because here's the problem. Right now, there are people out there teaching things that are evil or good. Things that the Bible expressly says are, I'm going to say, is an abomination. They're calling it holy. Things that the Bible says, those things is why the wrath of God is coming on this earth. But it's okay. No, 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 no. It's not. Amen? Train yourself for what the word of God says is godly and good and right. Amen? Huh? It was three things? Okay, where was it? Acts 15.20. So if anybody ever tells you, you got to do this, you got to do that. You need to show them. Look, Peter, John, and them, they was the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And when they met about the Gentiles, this is what they said the Gentiles have to do. Acts 15, verse 20. Amen? Amen. Everything else is Christ's job. You realize that Christ redeemed you, saved you? It's Christ that changes you, molds you, shapes you. It's Christ that will bring you back to himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. And I will come unto you that you may be where I am. Amen. 
Godliness in gospel truth, not your own truth, not what other people say, has value for this life and the life to come. This is worth remembering. That's what verse 9 means to me, okay? This is just Kevin's paraphrased version of verse 9. This is a trustworthy, and this, the saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. What I read right there is, this is worth remembering. Amen? Amen. This is worth remembering. What's worth remembering? He says this, for, the, for this end we toil and strive. What end are we toiling and striving for? Well, he's going to say it. Because we have our hope set in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Now first, he's telling you that your hope had better be in God. Amen. That's why we're toiling and striving to preach the gospel. It's not just because we want to be famous or we want to get persecuted, it's because our hope is set on the living God. Amen? And the last thing he says is, who is the Savior of all people, especially them who believe? Now this verse has been very misunderstood over the years because people will point out and go, see, see, everybody's going to get saved. That verse can't teach everybody's going to get saved. Otherwise, nobody would go to hell. Amen. And we know that people end up in hell. Amen. So what's he talking about then, Pastor? Well, let's look at it from a different perspective. The general call of salvation has went out to all people, right? Yeah. Went out to everybody. But not everybody's going to get saved. Nope. Amen? Amen. And it, Well, let's, let's read what it said, though. He said, especially to them who believe. So we have a general call, and then we have an effectual call that people are heeding and coming to Christ. You understand? So it's not teaching that everybody's going to be saved, no matter what uh, universalists want to say. It's not everybody's going to heaven, okay? It's not going to happen. We... Well, wide is the gate that leads under destruction, right? Many there be that find it. And, you know, Revelation, we see separating sheep and the goats. And the, the sheep get to go to heaven, the goats get thrown into outer darkness, right? We got to understand that there is a group that's going to be lost and a group that's going to be saved, irregardless of how you think they got there. If you're a Calvinist and you believe God picks and chooses, if you're an Arminian and you believe that it's all by faith and, 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 and whoever doesn't choose, that's going to be who goes to hell. But the reality is both groups have a people who are going to hell and a people who are going to heaven. Amen. You understand? Yeah. That's scriptural. This idea that everybody's going to heaven is not scriptural. Okay? It's not found in the Bible. Now, I would... There is an argument to be made that God is going to redeem more than we think. Amen? Amen? Matter of fact, there might be some people that you go, oh man, they're, they're going to be burning. Well, it's a good thing it's not up for you to judge that. Amen? Amen? It's a good thing because God, you might get up to heaven and go, man, they made it. You might die and go, I didn't make it. 
Let's think about that. Let's put it in perspective. Who You who think you're really holy and think you're really saved, I want to put the question to you. Do you know Christ? Are you born again? Have you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Have you been regenerated by the Spirit of God to new life? Because if you hadn't, you can think all you want you're going to heaven, but you might wake up in eternity going, Ah, it's hot! So you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? Stop worrying about the speck in your brother's eye. Get that log out of yours. Amen? Amen. This saying is worth remembering. Our hope is set on the living God and not on our own merit. And for this end, we toil and strive to trust God and God alone for salvation. That's what he's saying. He's saying we toil and strive to get ourselves to understand that it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I won't save me. And if you think you can save you, I got the altar open at the end of this service. We'll pray for you first. Amen. 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 Because it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. Amen. uh, Verse 11. Command and teach these things. This is why I'm doing it. Notice that he doesn't say just teach them. He says command. Okay, oh man, you're talking about legalism now, Pastor. No, we're talking about now that you're born again in Christ, you have an understanding that there is an expectation set upon you how you should live your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's not about you anyway, so what are you worried about? If it ain't about you, why are you offended? Huh? I could ask so-called Christians that to get mad at the pastor and leave, okay? I ain't naming no names. It happens at all kinds of churches, though. It ain't just our church. It's all kinds of churches. People get mad at the pastor, said something that he didn't like, hurt my feelings, and you got to understand, if it ain't about you, why are you offended? If you're really living for Christ and you're really worried about what Christ thinks, then when your pastor says something to you that hurts, you're going to look at it and go, you know what? He was right. And the word of God doesn't change. Take no offense. Jesus said, it's impossible that offense should not come. In other words, the gospel is offensive. Because I want to do my thing. The gospel's offensive because it tells me I must die to myself. But I don't want to do that. I want to live for me. And I want what I want. And I want to be able to do what I want. Even, you know, I want a little bit of Jesus and then I want to do my own thing. But that's not what the gospel teaches. If I'm in Christ, I die. Jesus said, unless a man is willing to Renounce all that he has and follow me. He's not worthy of me. Amen. That's important stuff, right? Those are Jesus' own words. Unless a man uh, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he can 
cannot be my disciple. So all these people who claim to be disciples of Christ, yet they can't lay their self down, I don't believe you. Go back to the word of God. He said, I've got to be able to do that, to even be a disciple. Wow. Go into all the world. He didn't say go preach the gospel. He said go into all the world and make disciples. Why? Why? Because everybody needs to learn how to die. Amen. Amen. And the apostles took it literally because they all died. <laughs> Amen. Verse 12. How, do, how does he not let anyone despise his youth? I want you to notice this. I want you to get this. He says, do not let anyone despise your youth, but... Set an example for the believers. Do you want people to not despise your walk in Christ? Then be an example of what it's like to follow Christ. And he gave him several things. He said, be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Amen? How am I going to refute? All these people's arguments against me, against me by being an example. I know two women in my life that I'm not married to that I couldn't be more proud to say that I know them because of the things that I've seen them go through. Okay? One of them is in this room and one of them's in a church down the street. And both of these women have been an example of what it was like to go through something horrific, terrible, yet trust God all the way through it. I know they had their own closet time where they're going, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know what's going on here. This is terrible. It stinks. But also, from an outside looking in, I'm so proud of both of these women. I'm proud to even know them. It's so awesome when you see somebody do that. That can set an example like that. Amen. Set an example that I personally haven't set in my Christian walk until later in life. Later in my Christian walk. Amen. Verse 13, he says, until I come, devote yourself. This is the part I want you to understand. Devote yourself. He didn't say, fly by the seat of your pants, haphazardly go about this. Right? He said, devote yourself. Devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching and then verse 14, if I'm devoted to it, I will not neglect the gift that's in me. Amen. Amen. And I don't know what gift God has put in you, okay? Now, he's talking to a pastor right here, but this has all been read to the churches in Ephesus, okay? And we got to understand that if he's reading it and saying it to, to Timothy, he means it for Sierra, Bryant, Greg, Shirley, Kevin, amen, amen. all of us. And he's telling you, how do you not neglect that gift that's in you? By devoting myself to the reading of the word, to 
to exhortating or encouraging other people and to the teaching of what is true in the gospel. Amen? He said, practice these things in verse 15. And then my Bible says, immerse yourself in them. You see, he's using terminology here. He's saying, devote yourself. Immerse yourself. Practice these things. Exercise your gift. Amen? And he's saying this all throughout this chapter. Exercise, immerse, devote, practice. Amen? Amen. This is not a haphazard Christian life. We've got to know the truth. We've got to be stewards of God's truth, of the gospel. Amen? You remember how uh, we talked last, last Sunday about being walking worthy of the gospel, right? Walking worthy of the gospel that's been presented. Amen? Amen? Do not be careless, but deeply committed. That's what I wrote down. And verse 16, it says, keep close watch on yourself. Notice that Paul put that first. Amen? Keep close watch on yourself and your teaching. Because in doing all these things, what things? First of all, exercising to godliness, devoting myself to reading the word, exhorting, prayer, practicing them, amen? amen, being devoted in it, in doing that, in watching myself and my teaching, if I persist, here's the last word, if I persist in it, I will say myself and those who hear me. Now, I want you to understand he's not talking about salvation here, okay, because you're not saved by works. What he's talking about is the sanctification process of we will all be conformed to the image of Christ if we do these things. Amen? Amen? Because salvation is absolutely 100% totally God. Sanctification, God does the initial steps of sanctification. Like right now, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? That's what the Bible says, right? So I'm sanctified that way, but physically, my sanctification is a willful sanctification of working with the Spirit of God towards becoming more and more like Christ. Amen? So I don't want you to confuse this terminology at the end of this chapter with, oh, you're going to save yourself if you're an example in this and that. No, you're not saving yourself. You never save yourself, period. Okay? But you're going to help those around you to be more conformed to the image of Christ. Because here's what's happening. I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. Amen. Right now we're in that middle part of I'm being saved from present sin. And one of these days I will be saved completely from the presence of sin in Christ. Amen. So let's stand. I wanted, I wanted to get through this chapter, and we did it. Praise the Lord. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise that we got through that thing all the way. I wanted to do this because there's so much good stuff in here that we need to know. Amen? And in doing it, we're going to be a good example. We're going to be 
the person that somebody else can go, man, I know Kevin ain't perfect, or I know Brian ain't perfect, or I know Mike ain't perfect, but I sure wish I could do that. I sure wish I could do this other thing. Amen? Amen. It's not a bad thing. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Amen? That's what we need to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the power of your word, that it speaks to our hearts, that it ministers to our soul, God, that we can understand your truth as it's revealed in Scripture. It's not hidden from us. You said if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives unbraidedly or generously to anyone who asks. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be conformed into the image of Christ. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. Thank you for this exhortation from Paul to Timothy that ministers even today to those who hear it. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we strive to live unto godliness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.